From Migration Media, this is Migratory Patterns. I'm your host, Mike Shaw. Olivia Musnitsky owns the fact that she's still figuring out, and it's apparent from the start when her answer to where is home is to be determined. Having just wrapped up a year abroad as part of the Ricci Scholars Program, her idea of home right now is all about relationships and experiences. She's a couple of years removed from the life in the small Florida town where she was raised, which she says feels like a memory but not like home. And she's just started exploring the world, trying to understand her place in it. It just doesn't make sense yet to declare a single location as home. What began as an internal migration from the American South to blustery Chicago has quickly evolved into a desire to live overseas, and her experiences in Rome and Beijing have only served to whet her appetite for more. A self-professed nerd who loves reading the tax code, she's been studying the differences between the real estate markets in the U.S., Italy, and China as part of her study abroad program. And she's been discovering how financial systems fit the cultures that they're in, which opens up new avenues for understanding between us. It's a unique take on the learning experience that usually happens as people migrate. I really nerded out with Olivia during our chat, and I think her angle on studying cultural differences through the shape of their real estate markets is fascinating. I think you will too. So sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Olivia Musneski. Olivia Musneski, welcome to Migratory Patterns. Thank you. Where is home? Um, well, that is to be determined, I think. Okay. Um, so. I mean, home is where you're born and raised, but for me, I think as of now and where I've lived and what I've done, it's more relationships and it's who you're with and how it feels like. And for a physical place, at least it's like the comfortableness of a city for me and or a place and how it feels. And so it's kind of a combination of those two things. Um, growing up, I always said I wanted to have apartments in every city I love, just small <laughs> ones, you know, nothing fancy, but, um, it's like the opposite of the American dream. Yeah. Right? Like the one house. Now you want apartments everywhere. Exactly. Yeah. So you want to be an oligarch. You want to be a Russian oligarch. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's the goal. Um, but I, I feel like I've still kind of stuck to that mindset. Um, never really wanted to go back to where I grew up cause that doesn't really feel like home. I mean, it's a memory, but it's not home, but I was talking the other day, like uh, my mom came to visit me recently and we were actually in Bali and completely, you know, never been there before. Weird environment, but it still felt like home because, you know, she's there and doing mom things and, you know, it just works. And that's like the relationship part for me, but then having just an environment that you love and thrive off of. It's cool that you could be yeah. home anywhere as long as your mom is there. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so, so where is the place you're from? Where did the journey begin? Um, so I was born in Winter Park, Florida, um, right near Orlando Disney World. No, I did not live and grow up in Disney World, but um, uh, grew up there third generation, which um, so went to the same high school my dad went to, all that. And I always knew I wanted to leave. It was a very small community. And like, if you stayed there, you were kind of stuck there. So first thing I did after I graduated high school, went out of state uh, for college and then knew I just wanted to travel as much as I could in college now. And when I graduate. So when you said where I always wanted to leave, was that a popular mindset in school? No. Really? No. Yeah. Most was, people want to stay. Yeah. Most people want to stay and just, you know, be with. I don't know what's comfortable, I guess, mm -hmm. but yeah. So then you, where do you go to college? Uh, Loyola, Chicago. So Chi-Town. Yeah. Chi -Town. Up from two o'clock, from the sunny Florida to yeah. 
brutal cold yeah. Chicago. Well, the cold was actually a draw for me. I wanted it. Like living in that heat, I hated it. I hated it. So love the cold. All Big right, fan. Very, you're very, very interesting. <laughs> uh, so now you are here in Beijing. What brought you to Beijing? So I've been doing um, international research program through the university. Now kind of half doing research with my work through it um, that I got a job. But you start one semester in Rome and then the next semester in Beijing. So this is the second. So you've already done a semester in Rome. Yes. So you, so when, by the time this is done, you'll have been overseas for two full school semesters. Yes. So, but different countries, different countries. And I love Beijing way much more than Rome, which is a shock to, I think everyone, but that is interesting. Why, why would you say you like Beijing more? Um, it's, it's more alive than Rome. Rome is kind of like someone describes me one time as like living in a museum and it's just kind of, uh, just doesn't have the energy there. You know, you don't see weird things. You don't have weird things happen to you. And I feel like there is more opportunity in Beijing too. Definitely. I'd, uh, I, my, my experience in limited, my experience in Europe is limited to several kind of trips, but a buddy of mine who's been on the show, he talked about his time in Europe. He spent several years there just bouncing around, doing odd jobs, learning about living in other places. Mm -hmm. And he said that he likes Asia a lot more. China, who's been here for 25 years, of course he likes it more. But <laughs> but he said one of the things that's different is that if you're in Germany, gave Germany's example, everything's been developed. Mm -hmm. Their system is developed. Exactly. Yeah. And it's just the way it is. Yeah. And there's no incentive or need to change or innovate matter of fact there's forces against it yeah whereas you come over here the whole mindset of the population everywhere around here is how do we get better how do we change how do we innovate how do we grow exactly which is a much different mindset than in the west yeah and i you could definitely feel that living in rome everything you know pre-planned since ancient <laughs> roman days so yeah yeah i mean there's i mean for real estate there's no like new building or no new developments anywhere just because it's, you stick to the plan that was set like hundreds of years ago. And that's just that's interesting. Space. That's an interesting observation because here in Beijing, the exact opposite thing is happening. Yeah. They have the thousand year old plan that's been laid out, but they are consciously within that framework trying to get rid of the stuff that the parts of it, they don't like yeah. and building up the big shiny buildings. Yeah, exactly. What, so you were in a place where they do Uber preservation mm -hmm. and now you're in a place where you're kind of lucky if they preserve a hutong the way it's been the last yeah. century. Otherwise they are sanitizing it. That is a completely flip side situation. So what do you, you said you like Beijing more, but there's less preservation. There is. How do you square yeah. that with your, in your own brain? That's an interesting question. So, I mean, in my own brain, it, it's interesting because hutongs, you know, it's very cultural and that's kind of what makes Beijing Beijing to me in my head. Because when, you know, when you go to Shanghai, like there's similar looking communities, but it's, you know, it's not the same feel. It's not as deep, I guess. Yeah. But hutongs are very, very unique to Beijing, yeah, not just China. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for people who don't, who've never been here, don't know what hutongs are. Uh, in when China was first laid out a thousand years ago, their people built their homes around wells and they would dig a well and they would build a, build a four walled kind of courtyard home uh, around this well. And if you imagine a scenario where people are building homes as four walled structures, uh, courtyards with courtyards, one next to the other, 
as you lay those out one after the other, you get natural alleyways, which they are now called hutons. So you just have rows and rows of these narrow alleyways that are basically just spaces between these old courtyard homes. Yeah. And that's where you get this unique layout of the inner city of Beijing that doesn't occur anywhere else. Yeah. And now I feel like we were just, um, we were in Wafujing yesterday uh, just to check it out. And it, it was just interesting to see how developed, but still trying to keep the hutong looking architecture uh, in the area and a very retail, you know, just consumer based. And in Rome, it's like you have that, but everything is very preserved to be like how it was in the ancient days. So it was, it, it, it's a very different. I don't think any way is good or bad, but here in China, at least seeing how much development there is, it's, I think it's good because it's like they're going with the future forward of the world. But um, I mean, I think still keeping hutongs alive, that's important. They, I don't know. Yeah, they, makes, rec- they really recognize it's key to their, their yeah, culture. Yeah, it is. It is key. And um, I definitely, like, I don't think they would ever get rid of them, but. <laughs> it's funny. There, there's a, you're making me think there's this famous mall. It used to be called the Village Mm-hmm. And now it's called uh, Taiku Li. It's in the, the yeah. kind of foreign district of Beijing called Sanlitun. Mm-hmm. And that is an outdoor mall that has been built to have these kind of alleyway-like structures between the different sections. And it is very specifically designed to evoke the hutong feel. Yeah. And it is a huge tourist attraction. Mm-hmm. And celebrities go there. Movies are filmed there. It's, it's everyone in this, the country knows this place because it is new. It's glass. It's, it's all in the global brands, but it's the old feel. Yeah, exactly. And that's having that feel in Beijing is definitely refreshing, I guess, after Rome, since they stick with the old feel and kind of keep the old feel, which isn't bad. And it's romantic in a way, you know, the cobblestone streets, like the Colosseum, everything. But here it's, you, you can just tell it's like alive and breathing, you know, it's mm. like the now. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I kind of want to back up a little bit or at least try to try to trace a line from the I really want to get out of here. You in high school, I'm imagining you start thinking that to now you're over here out in the world and you kind of don't want to go back or you want to find a way to, to, to come back here. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about a little bit about why you think that is that you had that idea? What Like if everyone in your cohort in your school is is. It's not a popular thought. We got to get out of here. Yeah. Why do you think you had that feeling? I don't know. I um, This is not an uncommon trope in, a, in American culture where people are like, I got to get out of my small town. Yeah. But it is always interesting. When we, when we migrate internally in America, we have this, it's a common story. You know, it's in, you see it in films and movies. But then when you take that extra step to say, no, 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 I, I really want to migrate. Yeah. And now you have this feeling of staying outside. I'm wondering if you can, if you've thought about, did that was that an evolution that happened or do you think you always wanted something foreign and it just Chicago was the most foreign you could think of at the moment and now you're in overseas and this yeah. is more, oh this is better it was definitely a development I mean but from the beginning I knew not staying in the states moving around in the states type of situation I thought Europe you know I just was kind of like oh there's so much culture you know instead of driving between states you drive between countries right but um, it's actually a very similar scale to the U.S. Yeah. It's the same kind of driving distance. Yeah. I mean, I've always thought, like, I mean, if I haven't seen it or like, experienced it, how would I know if I like it or not? And honestly, 
Um, I would have never chosen to come to China if this program did not push me to go here. It wouldn't have been the first on my list. It would have been something like, oh, I want to go to Beijing just to see Tiananmen Square or something like that. But um, I have always wanted to go to Thailand. Um, I don't know why. Since I was a kid, I always wanted to go. But um, besides that, I never had a strong interest in Asia, especially China. So I guess in that sense, it was a development from that. But um, I just always wanted to travel no matter what, no matter where. So when this uh, chance came up to do international research um, and the second part was China, I was a bit skeptical at first. I was like, I don't know if I want to do that, if I could do it, you know, just questioning yourself. But um it was the best part. I wish it was a full year in China. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, I, I'm i sad to be leaving soon, but it, it's shown me how I feel like if you can do China, you can really go anywhere, I feel like. I have that same feeling. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it, if you maybe it's not so much going to China. Maybe it's if you can come to a place that is as different as, yeah, definitely. And, and you can make it here. It really makes it it's almost like the New York thing. You can make it here. You can make it anywhere. Yeah. Um, which is next level, <laughs> yeah, which is, which is quite reductive, but yeah. It's the, it, yeah. If you can, if you can go to a place that is quite so different, like I've, I've gone from China down to Indonesia in Bali and people have asked, well, is that going to be crazy or are you nervous? Are you scared or worried about that? And I had to say no, because yeah. I know how to do this. Like having done the move from the U S to China, Having that experience, yes, it's a new place and I need to establish relationships and I need to develop an emotional support network and professional contacts and yeah. I got to do it all from scratch, but I've already done it. Exactly. So, but once you've done it, you realize, oh, th th there's a system, there's yeah. a method to the how to do it. I can plug into the community. And by the way, everyone else who's there is doing the same exact thing. Exactly. So we're all very much trying to connect and establish the same things that I want to. And I feel like I don't know if that's so much the same type of thing within the U.S. because I never lived anywhere except my hometown. So I'm wondering, what was the change like when you went from Florida to Chicago? Did it feel profound? Um, it On the map, it looks profound. On the map, it looks not compared to China now. I mean, looking back, it was a bit profound. I mean, any move is scary in the beginning, but honestly, um, I, I was ready. I, I was looking forward to be on my own for the longest time <laughs> and moving away. So it was me kind of living out that goal and that dream that I had. And, um, I was more proud of myself for getting out. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, like not anything against where I grew up. Like I had a great childhood. It's just more like, I just was been craving that for so long, I guess. And finally doing that, I, I just, I wasn't that scared because I knew I was ready and it was exciting. It was a great time. Um, what were, now, when you got there, what were some of the differences? And we'll, we'll, we'll I, I want to relate this. I'm doing this, the whole Florida, Chicago thing, because I want to relate it to the to kind of changes you went through Italy and here. Mm -hmm. I just want to unpack this, this migration mindset that you had. And I'm kind of interested in how your experience fed the desire to keep going to new places. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when you got to Chicago, what were some of the changes that you noticed? Not just the, the fact that you're in a big city as opposed to, you know, the small town, but yeah. what, what were the cultural differences? Uh, what were the ways that people interacted amongst each other that were different that you liked or didn't like? Um, well, I mean, the biggest thing for me 
not culture wise, but it was weather. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was something to get used to, but it was exciting because it was new. Mm-hmm. Um, I think culture wise, I mean, it was a very more laid back culture. And I feel like the people who I met there, they did have a different mindset um, in just, you know, coming from a different type of small town where it was like Chicago suburb and very much smaller where I grew up. Cause Orlando, like you see international, you know, it's not that small. And a lot of people who just haven't even traveled outside the U S and my family and I love to travel just seeing more of like a homebody type of mentality, I think. So, so maybe more diversity, not in the crowd that's passing through, but actually in the, the, the population that lives there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah definitely. So when you move, when, when you moved, I say move, you did move for, yeah. for a semester. When you moved over to Rome, was that something that, that you recognized and were drawn to? Or like, what was the, what were the differences you noticed there between the U.S. and, and Italy? Italy, it's hard to say because the program we were in was very, or Lanium, was very different. Um, it it was like very closed off from, I feel like what it would actually feel like to live as an expat in Rome. So you felt like a bit of an academic bubble. Yeah, it was mu- too much of an academic bubble. And Do you feel less of a bubble here in China? Yes. Why is that? Um, because it's, I mean, <laughs> it's we're on our own here. Yeah. There's so. no, it's si- real. <laughs> there's no yeah. systems to support a, an English Anglophile exactly. existence. You've got to interface to be yeah. with the, like the actual city. Yeah. You, you have to be integrated. So in Rome, there was no interaction with actual Italian students. And that was awful. <laughs> but here it's like, we know Chinese students, like we're friends with them. And, I mean, we know the city better. We know, we just have a better understanding of what it is to actually live in a city like this compared to Rome. This program you've referenced a couple of times. I want to hear a lot more about it because that's kind of one of the reasons that I've, I've been really interested to talk to you. But let's take a, you need a drink there. Let's take a break. We'll uh, take a breath, take a drink, and we'll come right back and talk about this. Hey, everyone. If you like the kinds of conversations that we have here on Migratory Patterns, you should check out Pop Abroad. Host Michelle Ibarra is on a mission to help expats and migrants live their best lives overseas by talking with the people who are doing it right now. During her first season, she's talking about community, why we need it, how we can use it to get a leg up, and how the best community leaders make theirs work. Listen in as she interviews the incredible women who are killing it overseas to hear how they are creating community in their adopted homes. You can learn more and hear the latest episode at migrationmedia.net or just search for Pop Abroad wherever you get your podcasts. All right, and we're back. Olivia, you were telling me that you're in this program. What is this program? So it's through Loyola University of Chicago. It's called the Ricci Scholars Program. It's a, your junior year of college, and you do a semester in Rome and then a semester in Beijing. They're actually changing it now, though. So we are the last group. There's only six of us, and you apply through your own uh, idea for what you want to research. So it's completely independent. Uh, you choose what you want, and you're uh, just kind of thrown out into the, each city <laughs> and just research this topic. Go so do like, your thing. Yeah, cold call, you know, email, just do your thing, make connections, and um, then write a thesis and then get it published. So, <laughs> okay. so the program is designed to send you overseas. Yes. 
Yeah. And, uh, what's the, like, what is the purpose? Like, how do you, do you, so you've got your field of study Mm -hmm. and then you say, I want to go study this thing in these countries. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be related to your major, um, or what you're studying or what you're looking into. I mean, um, a lot of people kind of just even do what they're really passionate about or what they love more so than goal, like career oriented. Um, I want to do something career oriented, but, um, a lot of people in the group, um, it's half career, half, uh, passion or full passion, you know? So it's really up to the person, but, um, it's, I mean, to basically live out just seeing new things and in an academic way and a perspective, and then bringing that back to the U S I feel like to, um, just let people know about your experience and what it's like and compared the West to the East. I mean, completely different continents and cultures. And, um, I think it's great program for the university to send kids and do that because I mean, one of the people in our group, he actually, um, went to the university just for this program, just Hmm. to get into this program. So, I think it's a great opportunity for both the student and the university. So this isn't just going overseas to take some classes like a Chinese language. Like, I'm going to learn Chinese, so I'll do a semester in China. This is actually focused on a field of study. Exactly. So what is your field of study? Uh, What have you studied that's outside America? Yeah, I have studied uh, commercial real estate uh, investment and taxation. So That sounds like a fascinating... Everyone, most people are probably bored by it. I love reading the tax codes and um, going through the different types of investment vehicles in either city and country, and it's exciting for me. I actually really I, hey, love it. Hey, I've been in, I've been I've been involved in uh, in a past life. I was involved in local politics, reading zoning laws, and yeah. combing through the state budget. So you're my kind of weirdo. It's, yeah. <laughs> I appreciate it. So. Um, this is I'm I'm interested in the things you've seen. So so you did this study in Rome, which mm-hmm. we can call a fully developed Western economy, mm-hmm. and you've done research in China, which is to be fair, Beijing oh. is pretty well developed. Yeah. But it is a developing country. In emerging markets. Emerging markets. Yeah. So what are the things you looked at and what are the trends that you saw? So in Rome, the I mean, it's interesting because the trends I saw in both fit the culture equally and it's finance and it's kind of I guess people wouldn't relate finance to culture but that's how I've seen this project because um, I took a investment vehicle the re the real estate investment trust mm-hmm. in the U.S. and I observe what the counterparts of it look like in Italy and then in China and then what they most commonly use for investment um, because it's not the REIT. What are the differences between the methods that we use to drive financing and equity into real estate development in the U.S. versus Italy Basically, versus yes, China? Yes, yes. So that's an interesting thing. It's not equity in China. It's all debt based. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's right. So it, it is. It's different just from there. Yeah, just yeah. from there. Um, in in Italy, it was basically they overtaxed the uh, investment vehicle to the point where it wasn't attractive to people. And also just like I was saying, it's an ancient city. There's not new developments. And even if they try and redevelop things, the laws with um, preservation are so strict. Um, If they find, I was talking to this developer and he's like, yeah, we found this really small artifact when we were building and completely got shut down all the investment lost. And that's a lot of money sometimes. And it's a high risk for investors to 
do that. So yeah, that, that wreaks havoc on public works projects too. I mean, just look yeah. at London's Crossrail project. They would have their tunnel boring machine and they'd have to stop the whole thing exactly. when they come across some artifacts, exactly. which you, as you should, but it's just... Yeah, it, as you should. Yeah, it's important, but it... It just adds from an investment cost. standpoint. Yeah. And in a place like China where they don't care quite as much, <laughs> no, they just blast right through whatever. <laughs> it's good for investment, but um, I mean, the government obviously is a huge factor in China. So, I mean, seeing that in Italy and how that relates to the culture and also very, um, you know, more laid back, you know, we'll get to it after lunch. And, <laughs> and <laughs> we got a break. We got a break coming up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So very much that type of business culture where here it's um, a lot of people lobbying and pushing for a C REIT, like a China REIT. Because it's perf- the counterparts in Singapore and India um, and Hong Kong are performing extremely well, uh, especially those that invest only in mainland Chinese properties. And investors are seeing that and they want to establish a vehicle here, but it's hard with regulation, obviously, and just trying to get enough support, but mostly it's timing. And as we were talking about before, um, it's going to be used here more as a social factor rather than a tool for financing. So it's going to be a way for basically, I guess, the common person, I guess you could say, the relatively common person to invest in real estate. Well, we in, in the U.S., as a common person, yeah. you can invest in these real estate funds through big financial institutions. Exactly. Like, you could take part of your 401k investment and they'll have a section for exactly. these REITs that you can just invest in. And it's liquid and you, you, you no minimum yeah, investment. But, exactly. But that so, kind of thing doesn't exist here. Exactly. So yeah. it's... Just having that, but promoting it more so as a fina- or sorry social agenda, where it's like, oh, we're able to include more people into uh, participating in our development and our uh, urbanization, rather than we need the money to build this because that's not an issue. <laughs> and, the da- and the flip side, the dangerous part of that is if you involve lots of people and then if it fails, yeah, which has too. been a big problem that with too. the with the you know a lot of these debts are to state-owned companies or state-owned banks, and the government mm-hmm. can write that off. But if all of a sudden there's it's a lot individual. of private individuals yeah. who are investing in these projects and they fail, yeah. That's not something the government can just absorb. Exactly. And that causes social unrest. Yeah. And that's why it's taking so long because they are trying to formulate the right legislative taxation code for this. So they're able to have, obviously, the most control. Um, yeah. It's it's very interesting. But it, it's been a great being able to research it here and talking to industry professionals and seeing what they think. Because... This one woman, she's CEO of a major company who kind of helps promote recreation in Asian countries. And she was talking to like chairmen in the government here in China. And she's like, they want this, like they want this here. So being able to hear that, I guess, first, second hand from a really high up CEO, I mean, it's It'll be interesting to see where it develops in the next few years. Makes it very exciting. Yeah, it does. Yeah. <laughs> this is something new and, and, and dynamic that's happening here, but it's not new and dynamic back home. Exactly. Yeah. So you've done this research now and you've discovered these differences and these uh, uh, changes between the culture and how it uh, shapes the financing vehicles and the investment culture. So now you've noticed these differences. What do you want to do with that knowledge? Like you're going to go back to the U.S., you've got another year of school left. Mm-hmm. How do you see what you've learned informing what you do later? Well, I definitely am going to bring this to any career with me, not only just the technical side of it, but um, 
being, I guess, more empathetic to understanding different cultures when dealing with business abroad um, and now knowing how, you know, different customs are and just in business meetings, you know, general things like that. But that's the key. You want to deal with business abroad. Exactly. So, so that, that's, that's, kind of, that's kind of the change. That's like what you don't, it is. You don't want to go back to the U.S. and work no, in no. U.S. real estate. You want no. to be out here yeah. somewhere outside the U.S. Yeah. I already have a job, though, in commercial real estate kind of established. So, I mean, it's a great place to get my feet on the ground, like get in to the community and then shoot off from there. So So do you feel like this research project you've done over the last year, do you feel like this has made you more interested in moving overseas or has this just been an affirmation? Like I'm kind of, I'm wondering if you had the desire, like I'm gonna go check out living overseas. Mm -hmm. I want to be overseas. Did you, was that more of the drive? And do you feel like the research wouldn't have mattered? You just wanted to be out here? Or do you feel like the research has made you want to be out overseas more? It was more me wanting to be out overseas mm. and then realizing how I could establish a career out This here. is kind of like your way to figure out how to make it happen. Exactly. How to it's, make it happen, yeah. how to come back. Yeah. That's interesting. I'm wondering if there are people in your program who have had the opposite thing happen where like, oh, I wonder what being overseas might be like and let's go check that out. And then they get over here and then they are holy crap, I can do this? Like, this is, I get to live overseas. Like, yeah. I'm really interested in that dynamic too. Yeah. You sound like you are very much from the get-go, I need to get out of where I'm from. Yeah. And at first that meant Chicago, but now it means somewhere else. Yeah. Anywhere else. The United States. <laughs> Not the United <laughs> States. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that I've noticed in myself, and I've only talked about it a little bit with some of the people that I've spoken to, because most of the people I've spoken to have been living overseas for a long time. Yeah. And I like to say that I feel more American and more patriotic about my home country and my culture now that I've lived outside it for so long. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, definitely true. Yeah? Definitely true. I've never really felt prouder to be an American than when I come to China. But, I mean, you have to be respectful, obviously, of (laughs) customs and everything. But it really makes you appreciate where you've came from and the start that you've had to be able to come over here and have an experience like this in China and to have the resources to come back as well and have a career here. So definitely. Yeah. Yeah. When I go home or quote home, like back to the U S and I, and, and people ask me what it's like out there and we talk about whatever. Matter of fact, um, last season, the the first episode, I had a conversation with one of my closest friends who still lives in my hometown mm-hmm. and has actually never come out to visit me. <laughs> Hopefully she will. <laughs> Bali's a lot more attractive than Beijing. <laughs> yeah. So, um, for some, for some reason to some people. So, uh, but one of the things that she asked about was kind of how do you see America looking back? So what do you think of what are the problems that you see with America? And it's it's difficult because the the longer I find myself living outside my home country, I I see not just the problems in that exist, like the bad immigration policy and all that stupid stuff, but I see the roots of the problems. Like I see why the body politic doesn't get it like yeah like you don't you're, you're so afraid of immigration or you're worried about x but you don't understand how awesome it is over here where we have this dynamism and mixing in all these different countries and cultures yeah and i'm wondering if you feel I mean, you've only you've been overseas but you're about to go back i'm wondering if you feel any trepidation about going back into that environment and 
I guess people call it reverse culture shock. Yeah. But I mean, I, I don't feel trepidation about it. I'm more excited to go back to talk to people and tell them how great China is because everyone was shocked coming over here. <laughs> like it's a communist country. Why do you have interest in that? Like you can educate you know? them. You can educate them on chi- socialism with Chinese characters and yeah. Xi Jinping thought. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So spread the spread the word. But no, I mean just that the perception of it is way different than the reality. And I think telling people about how exciting each day was here and just what. An incredible experience it was. I'm way more excited to go back to talk about it, but I'm also really sad to go back because I do not want to leave. <laughs> Don't want to leave. Well, you just got to finish one more year, and then you can come back and out again. And then I'm coming back. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, this has been exciting. I'm I'm excited to learn more about this program, and I think it's great. What is it called again? The, uh, the Ricci Scholars Program. The Ricci Scholars Program, yeah. and this is just at Loyola in Chicago. Yeah, yeah, just at Loyola University, Chicago. This is yeah. great. This is I, I love this idea of sending the the, the students overseas to do a year doing actual research not just some language exchange No, exactly that's what i said if i did not do this program coming overseas i would be bored because all really studying abroad is is just drinking and partying (laughs) and this like i mean while that has its place nothing wrong with that that, but it's like having this it really immerses you in the culture rather than just like oh i was cultured because i studied abroad you know yeah yeah i got culture (laughs) i went to college overseas and did all my partying there instead of yeah exactly instead of in your hometown Yeah. yeah so yeah it's an amazing program really glad i made the decision to to sign up it was like a week before and i submitted some something like very average but went through and <laughs> it's like okay i guess it's meant to be so <laughs> well i i feel like uh we've we, you know as someone who lives out here as an international migrant i feel like we've got like a new evangelist that we're sending back <laughs> to let everyone know come exactly. on out here the yeah. water's okay yeah exactly it's safe it's fine yeah <laughs> well olivia thanks so much for sharing your story i really appreciate it yeah thank you well, there you have it. Please check out the show notes for links to more information about my guest and to reach out with questions, feedback, and interview suggestions. Don't forget to subscribe and to leave us a like on your favorite podcatcher. Migratory Patterns is a production of Migration Media and is executive produced by me. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.